memes are basically the mirror that reflect our society. And if you take them one step further, they can even be catalysts for social change, I think. Um, And you look at what like the Pepe meme did in in places like China. Um, They can basically become the social glue that hold us together. So like communities, physical communities used to hold us all together, churches, things like that. Now that you don't have that, I think basically tribal communities where a meme is the backbone of that has is now the thing that holds a lot of internet native communities together all right everyone so on empire you obviously know that we talk a lot about the institutions coming into crypto and that is why we are super excited to share that we are hosting the digital asset summit we've hosted this since 2019 it's coming up in london march 18th to 20th don't miss your chance to get ahead of the curve you can get 20 percent off with code empire 20 we'll see you in london this episode is brought to you by the chronicle protocol a cost efficient transparent and decentralized oracle chronicle has developed a next generation oracle primitive called scribe which reduces Oracle gas fees on L1s and L2s by over 60%. You'll hear more about Chronicle later in the show. This episode is brought to you by Northstake, the secure and compliant staking platform for institutional investors. Northstake's ETH staking service lets institutions earn staking rewards while maintaining maximum flexibility on all of their capital. You can learn more about Northstake's institutional staking services by clicking the link in the show notes or that QR code that is on your screen right now if you're on YouTube. Now, let's get into the show. All right, everyone. From opposite sides of the world, we got the roundup. You're getting me uh, pre-coffee and uh, pre-my makeup, you know, in the morning. So good, good to see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. GM, What's up? And we're getting a Santi with a new haircut. So look at that. You know, the, the, the trick is if people don't notice you get a haircut, it's a good haircut. When people notice you get a haircut, it's sort of a bad haircut. But anyway. That's what you get in a hotel haircut, I guess. Well, I noticed you got a haircut, so I don't know what that says about your haircutter. There <laughs> we go. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm recording this from the uh, from the hotel in London. I'm in London. You're in Sydney. Look at this beautiful cappuccino I've got here. Damn. Lovely, huh? Quite yeah. Lovely. So I've been in London. I took a red eye out Friday night. Um, I won't dox you, by the way, but I recognize the, the, the plate and... So I know which hotel you're staying at, but I won't are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I, I've stayed in like every single. Well, actually, yeah. Uh, it's, it's lovely. Uh, it's lovely. Um, yeah, I flew out here Friday night. Uh, you know, took an hour long nap Saturday morning, and just have been basically racing since since Saturday. So meetings all weekend. I've probably met with twenty, thirty companies uh, and some, some of the bigger funds out here. Uh, we have, so we have DAS coming up. March 18th to 20th and just like kind of like doing a week of prep work for that. It has left me very optimistic, I would say about the we. So we I mean, we've been in London for a while with DAS, but it's uh, yeah, I, the state of crypto in London is actually much better than I thought it even was um, before coming here. So there's like a couple buckets of folks that we've met with. There's the funds. Uh, there are the kind of traditional crypto players like uh, both copper Met with um, Bitstamp, uh, Bit, Bitstamp and Kraken are the two longest running crypto exchanges, um, and, and some of those players. But there's this whole scene of DeFi that's popping up here. Uh, met with the founder of Pair Protocol. Um, they're doing like intense based pair trading, um, uh, specifically for perps. It's, it's very, very, very interesting. Um, there's a whole world of DeFi that's 
kind of getting created here. And it reminds me, I've always thought that like London lagged the US by a couple of years. It felt like sometimes with with fin with a lot of things, maybe maybe not fintech, but everything else they did. Um they have. And uh yeah, it's cool. It's funny to see that playing out here again. And I think there's gonna be this big DeFi scene here in London, uh probably in a year from now, I'd say. So I mean it's already been there, right? I mean Ave was there for a while. Um, Obviously, Ar- Argent is. Uh, yeah, I'm out. The, I'm out. The founder of Argent, like they've yeah. got a big team here. But there's um. You have to remember, there's been so many great fintech neo banks that have been started transfer wise. Revolut, like why? Because- Monzo, N26. Exactly. Yeah, like London's in my mind in terms of fintech would rival, uh, I think the U- the U.S. particularly New York or Silicon Valley. Just a it's it's a more international financial hub because it sits at that intersection. Uh, connectivity into, you know, Middle East, uh, the whole, the whole MENA region and Asia, like, and so London to me is always by default had to think about a lot of these like cross border issues. Naturally, that's where crypto really plays in. Um, and of course, um, you know, the administration of, uh, Rishi Sunak, I think is a new uh, prime minister or recently, you know, they just been more <clears throat> pro crypto as a interesting history tidbit, the gold ETF, was resisted for a long time in the U.S. And it was first introduced in London. And that was a major breakthrough moment for then U.S. regulators to um, uh, get on board and list, uh, you know, gold ETFs. And I think you're going to see the exact same evolution. Uh, I mean, you already have uh, these type of products in, in Europe and in and so I think, uh, yeah, the regulators in London, my personal experience and anecdotally talking to other founders has been way more forthcoming, way more clear, not perfect, but at least more accessible and transparent. And the intention is the right one. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were talking to the, was it the FCA or the Bank of England back yeah, when like you I, about, about staking? I was running my own validators with the yeah. team. Um, and you know, of course you, you, you start wondering, Hey, is this going to be, were, the, were these, were these validators or was this Cosmos? No, this was 2018, 2019. It was Cosmos oh. Ethereum was in the picture. Um, and, and so, and also Tezos, mm. Tezos and Cosmos were the biggest ones. <clears throat> and, you know, we assembled a team and the first thing is, is this going to be, how's this going to be treated? Money transmitter, like, you know, uh, so a lot of these questions, we didn't get good clarity. We reached out to the SEC. We actually had a meeting with a crypto czar within the SEC, uh, Valerie, super knowledgeable at the time. They are contrary to popular belief. These administrations, like they knew everyone at the time and they were very knowledgeable about proof of stake and all, all this stuff. So anyways, that was a very big aha moment. But then I went to London and like within a week, we get a meeting with and, and a response from the FCA. I was like, wow, this is just very refreshing. So I actually sympathize if you're a company, like if I were to start a crypto company today, I would start it in London, probably. Right. Well, so the FCA, yeah, it's interesting because the or FCA. Like, or like Dubai and Singapore or Hong Kong. But just for me, I'm in Europe, so it would be London. Yeah. yeah. So the FCA is, uh, regulates, is the main body here that regulates crypto. They also regulate fintech. And I think they saw the success that, yeah, all the neobanks, Monzo, N26, Revolut, uh, the list goes on. Basically, the, the success that they had, uh, especially even competing against the U.S., basically U.S. fintech counterparts. And 
Um, yeah, they seem much more open. It, I will say, every, I mean, half the meetings I'm in, people are talking about the 2024 elections in the U.S. They're like, look, as, as powerful as the FCA is, like, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, it's kind of all eyes on, on the 2024 elections. Absolutely. So, yep. um, lots to talk about. The first thing is, uh, as you think about your holiday shopping, I found a gift for you. Oh, really? Um, That's very kind. Yeah. I think you're so, going <laughs> to show I'm going to show it to you. It is the Here we go. Uh, uh, it is the Bitcoin mining uh, Lego set. Damn! That's why you get me to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> I know you like your Legos, and uh, we've got the price of Bitcoin. I don't know if you saw the corn, the good old corn hit forty five k. So forty five k in Coinbase, I think it was where it hit actually. Yeah, it ticked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I love, I, uh, I love it. If you're- if you're thinking about uh, this uh, holiday gift for any no coiner friends, uh, I thought you could get this for them. Absolutely. By yeah. the way, if anyone from Lego is listening, like this would be my ideal sponsor. Like I think I collect, I collect a lot of stuff, like a lot of shit since I was very little. And Legos, like I still have Legos from like, had I not opened these boxes, I would probably made a better return on Lego than crypto. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, Star Wars OG Lego sets are just amazing and super rare. Anyway, I love Legos. Yeah, um, I also bought too many Legos in the, in the past. So um, <laughs> here's 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 your gift, Santi. Um, Thank you. I think maybe we could start with. I do want to talk about uh, good old Bitcoin hitting forty five k. ETH is not moving much, um, which is interesting. I think ETH is kind of primed for a run here. I, I will say I think people have gotten a little too pessimistic on ETH, but. I think maybe the best place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, we can talk about overall thoughts on the market, but the best place to start here. So we posted this uh, video that I kind of posted with this, like, you know, headliney title on Twitter, which I think was uh, Santi thinks 20% chance soul will flip ETH or something like that. Um, And the reaction to that was, uh, there was, there was a lot of anger, I would say, in the reaction. It got a very, it was a very divisive um, video and, and post. And, um, I just, from your tweets, I mean, we haven't talked much since then, but just from your tweets, I saw you seem like you were getting pretty re- reflective on why folks were so divisive on that. And I would just love to hear your reaction to, to the reaction. Uh, this is a little meta here, but your reaction to the met, uh, reaction of that, that soul, that's uh, Solana video. I don't, I mean, I don't react to, other people and their opinion of what I have to say. I mean, and so I think the, I do pay attention to the comments and I've been, and, and look, I go through them because I, here's the reason why I'm doing a lot of what I do in the podcast, but also in Twitter is because I like to document stuff like in the, in the bear market of 27 post 2017, I got to writing and publishing in a Substack medium than Substack, And to me, that was a very helpful exercise to make sure that I hold myself accountable. Um, and, and there's no better way in my mind to do it publicly. And so now I'm, I'm really trying to just open source, you know, the idea that I had of starting a bank, I went through the exercise, I'm not doing it. Um, but public, like, I like to do these things now in a public context. Um, because it invites criticism. And I think that that's the best way to identify mistakes, fall. 
is a really good thread, right? I mean, Mert got involved in there, who runs Lightspeed, uh, Lightspeed podcast, which is fantastic. And then a couple like Fishy Cat or, or, cat, or cat. like there was some really good criticism out there. And so I think ultimately the reason why I do a podcast is to elevate the discourse in crypto, which is really bad, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of tribalism as there is everywhere else. You know, people people like stuff if, if it aligns with their bags. People don't like stuff if it doesn't align with their bags. I get it. But I'm in a process of, I think it's quite early and it's very unrealistic to assume that you're going to know it all. Um, and so for me, it's, uh, I just, I'm in the pursuit of truth and there's no better way I think than doing it in an open source context. And I'm willing to put myself out there because I've certainly said dumb shit. I certainly am not an expert on anything, but I know some experts exist out there and I, I have a decent audience. And so I'd rather invite, you know, the discussion to happen in a public forum, because I think that's how we get better as a space, you know? Yeah. Was there anything that was posted in response that made you kind of question your earlier assumption or did, did, has your thesis evolved since then in, in any way? Um, not particularly. I did actually have a private call with uh, fishy cat or cat uh, catfish. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I reached out to him and said, look, I actually definitely agree with your take, which is, was a very good one. So I reached out and said, hey, you want to come on the pod? Let's actually have you on. And it sounds like he's he's... He's very critical, and I like that. And so I just reached out, um, and I had a really good discussion here. Bring him out, and he made uh, some excellent points in, in that thread. Um, and we're going to have him on in, in Q1 after the holidays. And so I, the discussion that he made, the point that he made, which is an excellent one, is how do you value these things? Like it's certainly not on a cash flow basis. Like, I mean, you can look at Ethereum and Maker, and like these things don't trade my hunches they don't trade on on that uh, like um and i think uh it's just an interesting reflection on like i think we have to be a little bit intellectually honest and realistic around everything trades at a comp like yeah. everything trades it ties into the point of bitcoin everything trades at you know bitcoin's 800 billion close to a trillion everything is comparable to that right it's like can Ethereum be like Bitcoin? Can Solana be like Ethereum? Uh, and that's, I, th I think the, I'm comfortable accepting that, whether you want to believe it or not. I just think that that's how the market really kind of trades. Um, now, is there a scenario where everything compresses an order of magnitude? Yeah. Is there a scenario where it grows an order of magnitude? Yeah. Like these valuations are like, if you're doing a cash flow, the terminal value after 10 years, like 99% of the value of any crypto network is predicated on terminal value. But we're not, I think the point that he made, which is particular to Solana is this idea of, we've thought about the value of Ethereum around it's disinflationary. The block space is pretty, there's a high demand for block space. Therefore fees are high. So, okay, you have L2s and it's like, okay, if L2s really take off, what's the value accrual to the L1? What happens if you can pay the native token ARB OP? What what what's the relationship between that? How much value translates into ETH? And and then similarly for Solana, okay, if it's a really high throughput environment, yeah, okay, you have local fee markets, and so you have like these price discrimination and and, and different fees. But no one, I think, really knows like. And even Anatoly said this. It's like his version of success is there's a ton of demand, 
and a ton of applications that get built on top and supported by something like a network like Solana. But he's like, I actually don't know like if that value is going to translate over to the L1. So I think uh, like everything, it's so early. The best, the best I think position that I can be in is being comfortable with things that I don't know and having kind of bookmarking them and saying this needs to be figured out. It's an unknown, known unknown. Right. Uh, and I'd rather be comfortable with that versus advocating something that's actually not correct. And I think you see a lot of that in the community where, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to see it. But I'm okay with it. You know, yeah. ultimately you're always going to get hate, right? If you do one thing, you're going to, it's de- decisive. It's divisive. It's divisive. I meant to say, but that's okay. Like, honestly, yeah. if you're not, if you're not raising um, criticism, then you're probably not like doing anything relevant. Yeah. All right. So there are two things I want to get your take on. One is um, the question I think a lot of people are pinging us on Twitter about, which is like, where, where is this the start of the new bowl? Where are, is it, is it up only for here? Um, I think my, like maybe I can take the first stab at this, which is I, I actually think we are a little out ahead of our skis still. Um, I think that, I think the new bull market has started. Um, however, do you remember 2019 when Binance IEOs launched and this whole, we basically got this, uh, in hindsight, it kind of was the, the start of a bull market um, or some of these IEOs, but really we had this vicious leg down in March, 2020. I think we could be looking, I don't think we'll have this vicious leg down because there was, that was, that was COVID driven. That was um, yeah, much, very idiosyncratic, much more forceful than anything that, I mean, unless there's another COVID like event, but assuming that there's not, I don't think we'll have anything like that, but there can still be these pretty vicious drawdowns. Um, oh, yeah. On, on, Look, on the I mean, nothing is ever up only like right. even even in the peak of euphoria bull like defi summer there were weeks of draw like there were moments and days where you had drawdowns and you were questioning is this the end of it is this the end of it and i i think um like you're never in a always like it's just not right in an only always up only environment um even in, even in those moments you feel like very uncertain and there's trauma uh, I mean, categorically, we are in a bull market. Like these crypto assets have rallied, uh, you know, two x, three x, six x since the bottom. Um, and so, you naturally have moments of consolidation, like today and yesterday, right? I mean, these things kind of need a. There, there are there are people that take chips off the table. Like things need to cool down. Funding rates get really high, and so you you know leverage runs up, and then you get like. Like you, you can plot in during DeFi summer, there were discrete moments, two or three, where you had a lot of the open interest and a lot of the leverage like wiped out of the system and it kind of is a healthy reset to keep the animal spirits in check, right? And so I think uh, I'm, I actually, I'm, I feel very, I believe that 2024 is going to be a good year for risk assets, including crypto. Mm. So then the, the next question becomes basically how do you play that, right? So there's like, do you, uh, you, know, you know Chow, obviously. Yeah. So I think if you look at a lot of uh, Chow's tweets, he's, um, 
and he's seen a lot of cycles. He's basically summarizing what I think people have seen many cycles kind of feel going into this one, which is uh, there are like two ways to play this. There's the you can there's the right there's the the, the mid curve, I think, which is trying to get very like cued on like different uh, what is the most technical thing, and then there's the the left bell curve, right bell curve tape. Yeah, like literally go long, uh, you know, dog coins. I mean, if you look at Chaz tweets, it's. Uh, I wouldn't. You know. I mean, none of this financial advice, but do you remember that discussion we had with Joe McCann from Asymmetric? I yes, I do, and I know where you're going, and I. Hearing him say that, I was like, "Yeah, if I if I feel strongly about Soul, then Bonk to me is a levered bet on Soul, and so far it's done a three X and sat. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna buy a million bucks of Bonk and just ride that." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at Chad's tweet, I think this is a half-kidding, half-serious tweet, but he said, GM, I plan on outperforming 90% of this website in the next bull cycle by holding an uncomfortable percentage of my net worth in the original dog coin and PFPs from the fastest chain. So I think he's talking about uh, Solana NFTs here. So there, there's a there's a high likelihood that, that he's right here. Um, look at this ties into some of the discussion you and I were having around NFTs and why don't I think of them as investments, although they could be good ways to play a lever bet on, you know, punks, for instance, are a lever bet on Ethereum. Some of these Solana NFTs have been having their moment now, right? Um, and so for me, again, similar to Shao, like, like half jokingly, um, I'm, I'm comfortable putting a, a decent, decently sized position in something like bonk uh i think it's very difficult to do it as a fund because if there's a huge drawdown it's like the career risk of already having crypto fund is high and then telling your lps you put money in bonk like most of these lps don't don't get it right and i think it just takes again it goes back to this idea i think it takes a fair level of intellectual honesty to say um where how does value get created right and i think this is the beauty of the crypto journey you know you remember even having discussions with normal people or even i was having discussions with all my finance friends and former bosses or whatever and they're like what gives bitcoin value and you're like okay you really want to go into that discussion okay well let's talk about value like what what is value like this turtles all the way down right like, what gives the us dollar value and some people think it's gold like you know this is how like poorly knowledgeable most people are and misinformed and so when you accept that and you say well how do you put a price on culture and value and encapsulating that in a digital asset that is by the way for the first time it's like global capital markets open 24 7 365 people don't appreciate that the range of investment opportunities for most people around the world is fairly limited China, you can invest in government bonds or real estate. Oh, well, that hasn't turned out to be really nice. So capital flight is, is naturally going to happen with something like crypto. The government doesn't like it for that reason, because they dry up the buyers, right? It, it's great to be a government when you can only tell your people, you can only invest in the local economy. Same with Argentina, same with India. Like people don't have access to Tesla and Apple like you and I do, right? Um, and and the moment you understand that, you invert and you say, well, where's that money going to go? Because now you sort of like have created this ability to like untether money and the flow of that at the speed of light. And it's like, 
explosive. Like I remember in 2017, I thought this could go on for, um, I was having a discussion here with Kane and him and I were both talking about this. Like uh, I was of the mind that, you know, that run could have lasted for way more, like many more years in terms of the aggregate flow of money. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it, what's to say that like, you know, do, uh, some of these dog meme coins uh, can accrue serious value. And then, and then you can actually will it into existence. Like someone had a pretty interesting tweet uh, a year or two ago that said, Hey, like what's to stop if you already have all this attention, which is the hardest thing to capture. I know where you're going with this. Why can't, yeah. why, why can't uh, like, like um, any of these dog coins, um, Doge, for instance, become like a, and you will it into existence, like you do for war, right? Or it's right. a contract. It's like okay, you cook. So let me let me take the other side of. So the the common pushback to this would be if that's all we're doing, longing meme coins and uh, you know buying Dogecoin and hoping Dogecoin like launches a product because they've got all the attention, etc. Like what are, what are we all doing here? Um, how do you think about that? See, I, I think people have these very particular opinions of what is right and wrong in the world, and they try to impose that on other people. And it's the same reason why governments shouldn't interfere with what you want to do with your life. If you're not damaging other people, you're paying your taxes, and you're a law-abiding citizen. They shouldn't meddle with so many things, like the truck policies. To- like, And so what I'm trying to say is, I, I get your point. It's like, what are we doing here? And it's almost laughable, but it's like it's like games, right? So many people are critical of, of like Charlie Munger. Fant- I was just reading a lot, you, bunch of his did quotes. Did you listen to that interview he, I sent you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was talking about games. Yeah. And you could tell that he's a very smart person. I think he can have conflicting ideas in his brain. And on one end, he, he struggled with the idea of where people would spend a lot of time and hours gaming. But then he also appreciated, look, at the end of the day, we're here and we're in this world and we want to have fun and we want to be happy. And if, if that involves playing a game, then that's great. Like, like that's amazing because if you're happy, then that all of a sudden you're not sending and having a strain on the healthcare system and, and all this opioid epidemic, like, you know what I mean? Like, and so like you can, I guess I don't have, strong of an opinion on what other people should be doing yeah or how, what they perceive to be valuable as long as it provides utility for them and i'm not the judge of that i ultimately accept that what utility is very subjective it's like art and so you can't really impose your worldview on that all you can accept is pay attention to that because i think doge is telling you something you know people I think it's going to be hard as is. Okay. You're a traditional finance guys listening to this pod. Explain to me how goodwill gets captured in a balance sheet. What's goodwill. Isn't that what Dogecoin is good. Literally goodwill. When you can't account for the value of an asset in an acquisition, the value of the team. Well, that goes into goodwill. When AOL, what, what is it? When, like these crazy acquisitions, right. like what is it? Oh, bought MySpace or vice versa, right? MySpace bought 
like everything was goodwill. Like, how do you account for that? Well, isn't that like, you know what I mean? So, you know, what is perhaps the more interesting mindset is, hey, why is this thing trading at like 60 plus billion or whatever it is trading at? Uh, why is it capturing all this attention? And trying to understand that, like you invert and you say, clearly something here where a ton of people uh, perceive valuable. Well, let's unpack that. Um, and, and this, again, ties into the whole regulatory discussion, too. Like, what are we trying to accomplish by preventing people from accessing, for instance, a, a Jito airdrop or some of these airdrops? Like, what are you protecting against? Ultimately, what is the intention here? And I think that sometimes we lose sight of that. Um, and I think it's just important to go back to first principles and say, what, what, like, what is the role of government? And, 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 you know, just being a little bit more open-minded, which is ties into everything in crypto is sort of a fascinating discussion because the minute I don't tweet about Solana, I'm an ETH maximalist. And the minute I tweet about Solana, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm shitting about ETH and you see all these ETH people now on Twitter, uh, saying, Oh, there's so much hate against Ethereum. It's like, no, man, I just genuinely got fucking tired of not getting a very clear answer and understanding of how this thing's going to scale to billions of users. I don't see it today. I see it more clearly with Solana. And so therefore Solana could be the most valuable network. Now, I don't know how they're going to monetize it, but at least I know that's the biggest uncertainty, but I am okay accepting that and going into a position saying like, if it gets a ton of usage, I think you have a higher probability of figuring out how to monetize it versus you're just a really expensive place where no one wants to interact. And when you have something that's actually really cheap, well, I can, I, I'd much rather bet on that. It's the same reason why I don't own Bitcoin and just struggle to justify owning Bitcoin. I'd rather own other instruments to hedge and I'd rather like, I don't know. You ever seen the documentary Feel Feel Good Man? Uh, yeah. About the Pepe meme, I think it's a really good, uh, it's a really good documentary to understand like just the power that memes. Can. I think basically going back to the bonk conversation and Dogecoin and all of these things, I, I think you nailed it. Like the uh, same people who hate that we're talking about, you know, buying. We, I mean, the, my DMs were filled with people who were like, "You guys should not be talking about Solana NFTs on the podcast. That's a complete waste of time." Like, are the same people who don't think that the government should be cracking down on on crypto? It's like uh, it's very hypocritical, hypocritical take. And I think this uh, m- memes are basically the mirror that reflect our society. And yeah. if you take them one step further, they can even be catalysts for social change. I think. Um, and you look at what like the Pepe meme did in in places like China. Um, they can basically become the social glue that hold us together. So like communities, physical communities used to hold us all together, churches, things like that. Now that you don't have that, I think basically tribal communities where a meme is the backbone of that has is now the thing that holds a lot of internet native communities together. So um, yeah, it'll be, we'll see what happens here. All right, everyone. So we talk a lot about the institutions coming into crypto on Empire. Santi and I are both headed out to London March 18th to 20th for Blockworks' eighth 
ever Digital Asset Summit, DAS. This is an institutional buttoned up conference that we've hosted since 2019. I like to joke that it is probably the last remaining kind of suit and tie event in crypto. People are still wearing suit and tie. It's pretty funny, but you'll actually hear from a lot of the largest institutions in the world coming from Standard Charter, FIS, JP Morgan, Framework folks coming out, Wintermute, Van Eck, Goldman Sachs. There are a couple big themes of this conference. One, Bitcoin Catalyst, the halving and the spot ETF. Two, a view from the buy side. Three, RWA's tokenization and stable coins. Four, global regulatory frameworks, five, institutional infrastructure, including banking and payments, and six, the macro case for crypto. If you have anything to do with the institutional side of crypto, you have to be there. Santi and I got you back. We hooked you up with a 20% off code. It is Empire20. There is a little competition running internally at BlockWorks to see who can drive the most number of tickets. So help Santi and I out. Register with our code and you get 20% off. That is Empire20. This episode is brought to you by the Chronicle Protocol, a cost-efficient, transparent, and decentralized oracle that gives protocols verifiable on-chain data. For the frequent listeners of Empire, you know that we talk a lot about MakerDAO. Well, Chronicle Protocol is a novel oracle solution that has exclusively secured over 10 billion in assets for MakerDAO and its ecosystem since 2017. And for the first time ever, Chronicle's oracle services are now publicly available. Why should you use Chronicle? It's simple. Chronicle offers a 60% reduction in gas fees for all of their leading counterparts. Also, super cool, they have unparalleled transparency when it comes to oracles. Chronicle offers a dashboard that allows anyone to track the genesis and trajectory of the data it provides. This is the first time ever that an oracle has made all of its data verifiable, setting a new standard for the accessibility of on-chain data. Endorsed by a network of the most revered validators, including Etherscan, Infura, Gitcoin, DYDX, and MakerDAO, Chronicle is the epitome of security and reliability in the Oracle space. It's time for a paradigm shift in Oracle development. You can learn more about Chronicle at chroniclelabs.org. Big thanks to Chronicle for sponsoring Empire. Today's episode is brought to you by Northstake, the secure and compliant staking platform for institutional investors. Northstake is purpose-built for institutions that want to enable the ability to move in and out of staked ETH seamlessly while controlling all aspects of their fund management. Northstake's tokenized ETH staking service offers institutions easy, low-risk, crypto yield opportunities. It complies with both AML and Mika regulations, making it possible for institutions to tap into Ethereum's growth and earn staking rewards even through these pretty turbulent regulatory times in crypto. If you are an institutional investor seeking compliant crypto exposure and yield, Northstake streamlines that all for you. To get started, head over to northstake.dk forward slash tokenized hyphen e hyphen staking. I know you're probably not going to go to that long URL, so just click the link in the description of the episode That'll take you right to Northstake's site. Or if you're on YouTube, scan the QR code on your screen right now. Now, let's get back to the episode. I think the more um, probably important question in everyone's mind is, where are we in the cycle? Um, what, you know, have I missed out? <laughs> How long is this going to last? And I think trauma is real. Um, I ultimately think, look, um, the most important thing is to really focus on don't get carried away. In you know, if you're seeing it in Twitter, then, you know, everyone has bias in their own bags. And so I think the, the, the more important thing that I would encourage, I don't give advice, but what has been helpful for me is like document why you're interested in stuff. Uh, the nice thing too, is you can get a lot of access to these communities. 
And so if you're using a product, you're getting utility, uh, then I think like the learning curve is, is really steep. And you think that there's always going to be a lot of volatility in this space, always. And so you want to kind of understand how do I minimize being carried away? Well, leverage is probably not a good idea. Uh, being overly spread is also not a good idea. Not even knowing what the product is also not a good idea. You know, ultimately, I think where I've been most successful is like, especially in DeFi early on was like, I'm using this. There's a lot of value. I come from a financial background. I see value in that. I think there's a lot of utility, but you can come from entertainment and say, wow, like I can make a movie on, on bonk. Well, go at it, you know? So anyways, it's, it's, um, it's going to be quite interesting. I think I'm very optimistic of 2024 and, and it sounds like you guys are too, in terms of, I mean, you probably have a great vantage point in terms of subscriptions, engagement, you know, we have, we have a lot of insights into, um, uh, that other people in the market don't have basically by like from where we sit. So you, we can see right when like, you know, 25 people from Societe Generale or SockGen subscribed to the newsletter three months ago. We're like, there's something that must be going on at SockGen. Sure enough. And I actually want to talk about this news. Yesterday, they announced um, a, a, a stablecoin, right? The first Europeg stablecoin with Bitstamp. So, you know, our podcast downloads, podcast downloads were like, I think this month, well, this quarter, they'll be the, the biggest quarter. I think every single podcast of Blockworks has ever had. And- <laughs> you know, I mean, Empire is going to hit a record number of downloads. Lightspeed's like a pair of the fastest growing podcast we've ever had. Bell Curve doing well. Um, Page views is, is climbing again. Like, like my my Twitter followers are now all of a sudden starting to grow, like thousand a week or so. Oh yeah, mine too. Mine too. Uh, I mean, well, it's, that's a it's just funny. It's just funny. So, do we got to get you a little? Should we get you a little Blockworks? Uh, you know the official stamp on Twitter's. Sir, I, I mean, sure. I'd still need a, some Blockwork swag. Like, look, <laughs> and being like companies not doing swag, but man, I sit on a chair for two years. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll send the. I'm we'll send, invest, I, and we'll I, send the damn shirt. I was like, okay, he didn't get the memo. I'm gonna invest in Blockworks, and I'm still here. Like, you know, what do I need to do? I'll right. we'll send the damn shirt. We'll send the damn shirt. <laughs> um, we'll send the Lego too. Send the, send the Lego to yeah exactly all right so this week um yeah. uh, here let me uh, I can share this so uh, Societe Generale uh, often uh, more often known as a uh, SockGen just became the first um, big European bank to list a sta- actually I think the first bank in general to list a stablecoin so I can walk through some of the the details of this um, basically they're launching their own stablecoin on Bitstamp they're the first big bank to offer uh, stablecoins that track the price of the euro. Uh, it's basically a USDC-like product, but instead of US dollars, it's a Euro stablecoin. Yeah. Um, by the way, huge void too in the market. Like you, you didn't have when I was looking well, at, when I was USD, looking at doing the bank. I'm like, someone's going to build another USDC, another US, uh, another Euro stablecoin. Doesn't exist. It's a huge opportunity. Anyone that's looking at Coinbase's last quarterly report, where they finally broke up the revenue that they're cranking out from stablecoins. I think uh, I think every major bank is not paying attention to that. Yeah, I mean, if you, I, I don't know if you can still see my screen here, but uh, if you circle Euro Dollar, they had launched EURC, but I don't think it really took off much. I don't, no, I don't think it did. No. Um, so, anyways, this is yeah, this is this is 
Uh, pretty cool, I would say. And, um, and so just for people, if you wanted to have a euro, this euro stablecoin, do you have to be a customer of SockGen? Can you trade it? Like, what's the network and, and what's the, do we know? So, uh, so it starts trading today on Bitstamp. Like, if you're on Bitstamp, you can you can go buy this. Um, the funds are held at, I'd say, an arm's length from SockGen. They have a third party called, or the, um, they have a, I think, subsidiary called uh, SockGen Forge, which is like their digital asset arm. Okay. Um, it can't really be used on any platform. The platform has to be whitelisted first by SockGen. So it's not really freely transferable. So it's not really a comparable uh, product to, to USDC, I'd say. Uh, it's also not compliant with uh, <clears throat> with my car right now. So, um, uh, which, is, which are the uh, markets in crypto asset regulation, the EU, basically the EU regulation. But uh, you did just see a big fund. Um, who was it? It was. Let me find this. AXA Investment Managers just invested in a in a digital bond using using this stablecoin. And AXA is a. I mean, they're almost a trillion dollar. They're I think they've huge, got about. They're like eight hundred and fifty billion under management. Yeah, so they're a massive insurance company. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, look. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Chris Berniski from Placeholder said something. That I think it was obviously super interesting. I've noticed it. You're not funding deals with wire transfers anymore. Everyone's taking USDC. So Everyone's USDC. So I, I have a question for you on that front. Do you? So I just sent a. They sent the ad. This was a, a deal yesterday. They sent the wire. Um, it was like a third party firm, basically. They sent the info. Okay. And do you do a test transaction still, or do you just rip out a, the whole uh, the whole USDC? Depends if I'm feeling, you know, that Google button feeling lucky. Feeling uh, lucky, yeah. Uh, I, it depends on the depends on the size. Like if I'm doing, you know, depends. It depends on the size. Yeah. <laughs> uh, protocol wise, I think it's the best practice is to always send a test transaction. And if you're funding from certain exchanges like Coinbase, like actually subsidize this, it's like you can send a test transaction, and they'll send a one USDC to whoever the counterparty is. Really. Yeah, Coinbase Prime. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. I've been sending one dollar and just paying like six dollars in gas. But the, but the, but the best practice is yeah, you should you should likely do it the same way that yeah. you know. Yeah. I was feeling lucky yesterday. I did it, and then I was like, "Fuck!" And I went to Etherscan. I was like, "Please, please, please, please." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, okay, so SockGen. I think this. Is, I mean, I think this is basically one trend that you're going to see in the next market is everyone and their mother is going to launch a stablecoin. TradFi companies, CFI crypto companies. Um, I mean, it, absolutely. Like it's uh, it's going to be a huge revenue driver, and also the velocity of transactions. I think is what banks or more banks can make money, and so I think ultimately that's huge for them, right? They have all these yeah. deposits and. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of a bit, uh, I think it dovetails a little bit into what we saw today of Jamie Dimon kind of like testifying and saying that if he had the possibility to, as he said, shut down crypto in the U.S., he would do it. Which is interesting because we had Tyrone on the pod and I asked him this question, like how much buy-in there is within the organization? Yeah, but what about that? What about that? Jay? I mean, did you see the Jamie Diamond? I mean, yeah, I can the, read. That's what I'm saying today. Yeah. yeah. If, he, if he can shut down crypto, he would. It's like toxic. Like Charlie Munger says this too, you know. 
Um, I, I, I think in his defense, or like not Jamie Dennis, but Tyron, right? He would probably say, we're excited about blockchain, but not crypto. So let me read this for anyone who missed this. So basically the CEOs from a lot of the big banks, Morgan Stanley, Goldman, JP, uh, Bank of America, BNY Mellon, et cetera, uh, on Wednesday joined a bunch of lawmakers uh, who are questioning them about how effectively the banking industry is serving Americans. And Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts, very uh, vocal critic of the banking industry. Uh, CEOs, I would say, of banks do not like her. They basically found this rare moment of agreement uh, when they shifted the topic to crypto. And I'll read the quote from from Warren, which it's uh, it's funny. I think this got basically debunked, but they're still leveraging this report from Chainalysis. She said, quote, today's terrorists have a new way to get around the Bank Secrecy Act, cryptocurrency. Last year, an estimated 20 billion in illicit crypto transactions funded every kind of dangerous criminal. North Korea has funded at least half its missile program, including nuclear weapons, using the proceeds of crypto crime. So then Warren went on. So she finished her five minute segment. She went on to ask Jamie Dimon why, based on his experience leading JP Morgan, criminals are so drawn to crypto. And he responds, quote, I've always been deeply opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, etc. You pointed out the only true use case for it is criminals, drug traffickers, anti-money laundering, tax avoidance. And that is a use case because that it is somewhat anonymous, not fully, and because you can move money instantly. If I was the government, I'd close it down. It's crazy because when you speak with anyone in the uh, wealth management department at at JP Morgan, um, which is where they make a, they make a lot of money, obviously. They, I think that do they have the biggest private bank or one of the biggest private banks out there? Um, every every private banker there is. I mean, these statements kill them, right? If you're if you're banking with JP Morgan's private bank, like you want the the dream would be able to. I think a lot of folks want to custody their Bitcoin with someone like JP Morgan. They could make a lot more money doing that, um, but you can't. This, this so. is the classic of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. And so there, 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 like people always want to look for a scapegoat. There's no notion of, well, how much of, in the whole Binance, Binance paid $4 billion in fees. That's like the seventh largest fee that is, fine that has been placed ever in the U.S. Well, guess what the top six are? Banks. HSBC, every single major bank in the U.S. has gotten a fine because they've facilitated money laundering and illicit funds that have been gone through uh, their system. And right. And so I think, you know, obviously you want to whenever you have the possibility to divert attention to something else, you you will. Now, I, I looked at this today and I, and I tweeted um, and my tweet was like when you actually think about how antiquated the financial system is, it is it is a patchwork of outdated systems that don't talk to each other very well um that are costly and people within i think privately if you were to talk to major bank executives they would all agree that putting aside regulation they would absolutely adopt certain pieces of this because it will streamline back office compliance make their operations um make their operations more economic because like you streamline a lot of this stuff and also open up new markets right all of a sudden because things because you don't have to, because KYC is lower, because you can do atomic settlement versus T plus two, because you can reconcile everything faster, you don't need as many people. Like that, that meaningful translation in basis points can then allow you to service other clients, other markets. Like it's so obvious to me that this is going to be the way forward. 
not only that, but like, I've always, I'll, I'll encourage you to do something. Whenever you go talk to a finance friend, don't even mention crypto. Just say, hey man, imagine a world where you can minimize counterparty risk and, and inspect in real time your counterparty's position. 24-7, 365. In real time, auditable. You understand where things are. You understand like that exposure risk. And they're like, holy shit, that'd be great. Like we could do so many different derivatives. We could like their, their mind just starts, their imagination goes crazy. I've done this with like 10, 20 of my friends that are in hedge funds and private equity and banks. But the minute you say crypto, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And look, <laughs> rightfully so, so. There's smart contract bugs. I get it. But that can be solved. Yeah. Look, it's going to be a classic innovation demo. I actually think yeah. if it's not going to, one of these banks like SockGen is going to realize that they can like move in this direction and innovate itself. Newspapers went through this in online media and publications, like no different. Yeah. So where, where it really gets fun is part of the Coinbase thesis is it just becomes the better bank. Right. I mean, where, where it's going to get really interesting is once uh, shares of Apple and share basically equities are I think are tokenized essentially, and I think the tokenizing real estate is a is a fluffy narrative that I'm not too excited about. But what gets really interesting is tokenizing equities, and what that the reason it's going to take so long to do that is because of how much money the folks who sit in between all of those transactions make, uh, whether it's DTCC or you know JP. I think one of JP Morgan's biggest clients is BlackRock, right? They make hundreds of billions of dollars a year settling BlackRock trades um, or sitting, in, sitting, not set, like sitting in between those trades. I'm not sure if the correct word is settling there, um, but they're so incentivized not to create a more efficient system. Uh, it would wipe out tens of thousands of jobs. So it has to be created by, I mean, I had an awesome meeting with the uh, CEO and CCO and uh, of, uh, of copper. Um, I don't know if you know the, the copper team, but they're, I mean, uh, I'm not sure how much they're, they're, I think what they're building uh, is not going to be re- too relevant in 2024, 2025, but 2026, 2027 in the tokenization space. Like it's very, very cool to see. Um, so, yeah, uh, let me, let me, there's another thing that launched this week, which was a Coinbase launch, send money anywhere. You can send a link instant, easily, instantly, and for free. So you can, you can basically do this, um, send a link anywhere, it sends money. Um, what do you, what do you think about this? Huge. I mean, it already exists in, uh, there's an app in Solana. There's already, there's another portfolio company of mine called Arcana that has like send it. Um, yeah, th- there's also like in the early days of Bitcoin, you could do this too. Um, yeah, it's huge. It's funny. I remember doing this in like 2016 or something and they must've taken the ability away or 2017. It just didn't go anywhere. But like the, the, the important novelty here, I think is it's just Coinbase has huge distribution. Yeah. So, so, so when the recipient clicks the link, it takes them into the Coinbase wallet app. They can claim or direct them to, to, and they can claim directly inside the wallet app, or it takes them to download the Coinbase wallet app on iOS or Android. They can create a new wallet in just one click. Um, they don't have to do all that. I think they do the KYC stuff later. And if the fund, I thought this was a cool feature. If the funds are not claimed within two weeks, they automatically get returned to the sender. I thought that was a pretty nifty, cool feature. Um, yeah, it's like Venmo, but you know, just another way to do it. Venmo. It's like Venmo, but Venmo is only supported in the U.S. and you can't withdraw your funds same day unless you pay a ten dollar fee. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's huge. I'm very excited to. 
I think stable coins are the Trojan horse of this industry and you're going to see just way more non-speculative demand for stable coins. And it's, it's, I mean, up only for stable coins, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, I think PayPal, I mean, we'll see what Venmo does on this front, but I, I would assume Venmo launches some, some competitive thing because they are owned by PayPal and PayPal launched PYUSD, right? They're stable. You know what a product that I'd want to see? Uh, give me the ability to send the stable coin and at the same time you can mint an NFT. I mean, imagine a world where you start sending stable coins for various reasons. Uh, you pay for something, you send it to a friend, you settle a business transaction, you append information meta into the NFT, which, uh, you know, or in the metadata of the transaction uh, that can be shielded with a, you know, with, with zero knowledge proofs, like, right, of course, because, but you can effectively, it would be really cool, right? All of a sudden you have like real information that you append uh, yeah. the way you're sending a certain amount of money, the reason for that, or just uh thank you. Like, Hey, you know, if you're a brand and you have a loyalty customer, like you just send yeah. it. It's funny. I used to do this with um in 2017 with Uber drivers. When we would talk about Bitcoin, I would just be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Just drop me like, um, cause you know how you get the, the fake cell phone number or whatever from them. I would just send them like five bucks, 10 bucks of Bitcoin or something. Yeah. Um, and that's, you lost the ability to, to do that. Now you can do that again. Yeah. That's really exciting to see. Coinbase continues to innovate, man. They just increase the leverage on their perps. Like obviously they should, do a, they should do a holiday campaign around this, by the way, like a great. send. They've like, done some great videos um, recently yeah. on the, like upgrading the system. The stock has been on a tear. I mean, I think a lot of it is cover, short covering. Like, I mean, at some point, like 33% of all of Coinbase um, float was being shorted or borrowed, so shorted. And I think a lot of people just got blown out and uh, they're covering the short. Uh, and the stock has gone, you know, it hit up to 148, 140 something, close to 150. I mean, it was sitting at 30 not too long ago, 70, uh, you know, a month or change ago. Uh, it's crazy, right? You you did all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been very public as, as to why I think it's been yeah. properly neglected and mispriced. But you know, everyone should go do their own work, and none of this is financial advice or any advice for that matter. <laughs> anything else this week? I gotta I gotta jump to that that meeting in a few. But anything? Um, oh, Sothe Sotheby's is doing a Bitcoin ordinal sale. I haven't read about it. I just saw the headlines, but I things are. I'll leave it with things I want to continue to talk about in the next episode. Definitely ordinals. Seeing yeah. a lot of equity, uh, you know, crazy, not just in price, but just divisiveness again within the Bitcoin uh, community. We should have, uh, you know who we should have on is uh, uh, Udi and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric. I can pick, I'll ping Udi. Um, maybe yeah, we can do a little Bitcoin, Bitcoin chat with him about tap roots and uh, uh, ordinals. Yeah. We're due for an update. We had Neve earlier, but yeah, that would be great to have Larry on because I think he's building like this, you know, this direction. Um, Want to continue to unpack uh, the experience of the Solana thesis um, and and other kind of. I want to do an episode with this uh, catfish guy around the, at the start of the year. At let's poke holes at everything in crypto. And I think that's going to be an important episode. It could be actually multi-segments. A bull market. Um, because it's in those moments where we stop poking holes and we do, and, and, you know, there's mistakes made. 
So we, let's try to avoid that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, we have some good, we have some good content coming out soon too. Did you, uh, we have immutable? I don't know if that episode. Here, Robbie, they just announced obviously great partnership. Merit Circle is moving over. Uh, I think gaming again. Gaming as a narrative is totally neglect. Kieran's here from Alluvium too. I was talking to Kieran. Yeah. This gaming is gaming is going to be a, a a big catalyst in twenty twenty four. And my line of sight and invested in over forty games. A lot of them are going to go live next year. Yeah, so it's funny. So I'm doing. I'm. Ta- uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Thursday night. I'm. Uh, going to winter mute's office and doing like a 2024 predictions talk with uh Evgeny. there's like a, a couple of us on this panel there's i think about 100 150 people coming to winter mute's office and it's me Evgeny, and a couple other folks and i was looking at uh everyone somewhere in everyone's predictions because we all submitted our predictions ahead of time everyone's mentioning gaming at least at least once sometimes twice so oh yeah Big yeah time. uh people should go listen to that episode that i recorded in person with robbie uh, and we really, I think, uh, I really enjoyed that the conversation. And, you know, as yeah. always, tweet at us or drop a comment on, on Twitter or on YouTube um, if you have any questions or, you know, we're saying dumb shit. We want to know. <laughs> we do a lot of that. Yeah, seeing the dangerous YouTube comments. Oh, also, people should register for uh, Das London. Empire is close to flipping on the margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit that. Yeah, Empire 20, baby. You got the code, so... <laughs> You're almost, I cannot have Mike beat me for another week here. This is killing me. So, uh, Empire 20. Come on, give, give Yano a break. Otherwise, he's going to have a nervous breakdown, okay? Really, Thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. And uh, we'll be here next week, I guess. See you, folks. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for watching today's episode. Really hope you enjoyed it. We wanted to take a second to just remind you about our upcoming Digital Assets Summit in London, March 18th to 20th. Santi and I got your back. Seats are limited, and we hooked you up with a 20% off discount code. It is Empire20. If you heard it earlier in the podcast, there's a little competition running at BlockWorks to see who can drive the most number of tickets. So when you register for the Digital Assets Summit, make sure you use our code Empire20. See you in London.